Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Creaseman. And I am Ira Creaseman. And on this episode, we will be discussing the music of Chrono Trigger, as composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. All right. We're going to move over into the event music now, or the places music now. Just, just all the other stuff. So we're going to move quickly through a few of them here in a moment, just because I didn't want to not play them at all, because I really like them, but I don't have much to say about them. Actually, let me just start with those. Go a little bit out of order here, and I'm just going to play a few excerpts from music that plays either in dungeons. There's the music that plays in the forest, called The Secret of the Forest. There's music that plays when you're in the castle that I really like and oftentimes hum to myself that's called Courage and Pride. And then there's the music that plays whenever you're in a church or whenever something mysterious and magical is going on called the Minoria Cathedral, all of which I I think are just really pleasant pieces of music to have on in the background of whatever you're doing. few more in that category that appear later in the game are Underground Sewer, which you may be surprised plays when you are in an underground sewer. Uh, The Primitive Mountain from the 65 million BC time that I think does a really good job of putting you into that time. Also, I really like the rhythm of wind, sky, and earth which is almost entirely a percussive piece, which does the thing we were talking about earlier where you've mainly just got ancient instruments, which is really cool. And the song Burn Babonga, which, while it's not, uh, it is one that I don't think is awesome to listen to all the time. It's great in the context of the game when it's played both at your party way back in time and also at the fair when people are trying to pay tribute to ancient history. It's a nice little tie-in. (laughs) 
So to rewind back to the beginning of the game and talk about one of the very first pieces of music, there's a track called Peaceful Days that to me is essentially Yasunori Mitsuda paying homage to Nobuo Uematsu's town themes from Final Fantasy. And in my estimation, he nailed it. As peaceful town themes go, this is, for me, on par with kids uh, running through the city. This is, is a Corner. <laughs> this is a beautiful piece. Yeah, it, it really is. I love many reinterpretations of it, though it's fine just as it is. Having the main melody played once through on the flute or piccolo, then the second time through on the strings, which is a very Lord of the Rings sounding move though this was long before that. So uh, it's just expertly crafted. And if I may quickly shout out, my favorite rearrangement of it is the piano version that Klutz, spelled with a K and a Z, of the OC Remix community did. You can probably find it on YouTube or go download it from OC Remix. It's phenomenal, and it captures the just fun nuance to the melody of this piece. The next piece I want to talk about could not be confused for a main theme of Chrono Trigger, but I think it's the main theme of Yasunori Mitsuda, the heart of his place music, his environmental music that he would write both for this game and for Chrono Cross. I think all of it lives inside what he composed for Guardia Millennial Fair. So we've talked a lot about how Uematsu finds this really great balance between traditionally Eastern sounds and traditionally Western sounds. And Mitsuda works in that area as well, especially in a lot of the character themes that we just listened to. But what he's most well known for, his signature sound, adds a little bit of that Pacific Islander into the mix. And you hear a lot of that here with the percussion and uh, the, there's also a Celtic feel to it as well that gives it this a bit more of a, a, a renegade feel to it that, that kind of would become maybe even pirate sounding music. Uh, so there's a lot of those kinds of traditions and flavor to what he does. And uh, this is just a, a timeless melody, uh, as you mentioned earlier, one that goes on for a while. It doesn't repeat a lot. It extends because you've got to be at the fair for a little while. And also, he puts in some samples of 
vocals, there's a shout out of people going, huh, and there's clapping sounds, which really help to make you feel like there are people around you making this music. It's You never see a band. It's not clear this is supposed to be diegetic music, but you can absolutely see going to a Renaissance festival and people playing something exactly like this. Another classic piece from this game that uses an unusual musical sample sound that we don't often hear in these games is the wind scene, which is probably more famously known as the piece of music that plays when you visit 600 AD. The sound that you're hearing there is supposed to be mimicking the plucking of stringed instruments, violins and cellos, however you want to probably violins and violas in this particular case. And it creates a staccato type of melody that's a bit unusual and it puts you out of the time you were just in. And also, again, just a a classic way of, of building a melody. It is definitely a quieter sound compared to where we were 400 years later, I guess, before, before later. <laughs> it, it almost, I, w- I would almost put this as one of your seven for, for melancholic pieces, but it's got a, a quiet hope to it that maybe leaves it outside that category. Precisely right. It, it, it's one that's just pleasant enough that, uh, no, it's a nice piece that can kind of sink in there. It, it trades the melody off into the strings like the town music does, which helps it just kind of sink a warmth into you that, that keeps some of those jitters and scary thoughts, uh, existential crisis thoughts away. Sure. Maybe it's a little <laughs> more uh, sleepy or maybe a little more autumnal rather than yeah. melancholy. Yeah. And another great arrangement of it from our guy Klutz, by the way. And plenty of other people have done that one, too. It's a very popular piece of music to rearrange. I do now want to talk about what I had mentioned like three hours ago about the (laughs) battle music. I'm not going to play the main battle music because it just doesn't strike me. And this is something other people have mentioned. The Chrono Cross main battle music also doesn't strike me. It's just it, it really fades into the background for me. But there is one piece that, while it's not great, and I also noticed on the thing I've got here, it wasn't composed by Mitsuda, which is strange, but the boss battle one, as it's called, has an interesting trumpet melody to me that, that I find to be fun. But again, it's a piece that doesn't go anywhere. So I can build it up a little bit, but also use it as an example of other music that I'm not going to play, how the battle music is fine. I'll say it's fine. Sure. For me, the battle music largely gets... It it takes too long to get going, so if you're in a quick fight, you hardly ever hear the battle part of the battle music. And it is... Yeah, it's just kind of... I'm just going to have to agree with you. It's fine. Except perhaps for the last battle piece. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that. There's actually two at the end that are, are something else. Before we get there, though... Of course, we've got to talk about Kingdom Trial, 
<laughs> a standout piece of event music that does exactly what it was meant to do, which is sound like you're in a trial. It does a really good job of building tension and and just it doesn't even build tension it just is tension the whole time it is it is prim it is proper and it's got this it, it sets this undertone of we are not quite sure what's going to happen uh but this is pretty serious yeah and it's got that stomping percussiveness that makes it feel like steps like literally that like someone's pacing in a courtroom or that it's a rhetorical back and forth the melody trades off between instruments it has these pieces that seem to interrupt each other like someone maybe would interject in a debate it's just it's it's an extraordinarily clever piece of music Skipping way ahead in the story of the game, there's a piece of environmental music that I absolutely adore that I must make a confession about, and that is that in my memory, I thought this was from Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I have to assume that Joe, I I never say his last name right. Me neither. It's not just Hisashi, it's like Hisaishi. Yeah, because Japanese is just pronounced differently. So, uh, Hisaishi, I I have to assume that, because they're working at the same time on similar projects, they're they're on like the same wavelength, you know, and and they're drawn from similar similar origins. So, a lot of the music that plays in Studio Ghibli films reminds me of Final Fantasy music and vice versa. Absolutely, and it's always a good thing. So this singing mountain piece that the melody is carried on the bells, and I really feel like you could drop it right into almost any Studio Ghibli film and it would fit, and that's a good thing. Yeah, oh God, yeah, it sounds... It's got... It's it's almost... And just for fun, because this podcast isn't going to be long enough, here's a little bit of Nausicaa. (laughs) To go to the other end of the spectrum for a moment, almost every single piece of music that we've listened to, not just on this episode, but throughout this podcast has been melody-driven. That's how, especially back in the day, before there was any voice acting, anything like that, you would have to have these melodies that you could hum along with and really enjoy while you're exploring dungeons or 
reading dialogue because you'd be there for a while and so you'd want that melody to stick with you. But there's a piece of music that's purely environmental that has almost no melody whatsoever that I think is one of the most fascinating tricks that Yasunoru Matsuda pulled off on this soundtrack, and it's the Ruined World piece. Is this one of your seven? It is. And one of the ones I thought you might miss. I, I thought it was one of the less obvious, but yeah. So, so I missed one earlier, but I'm like three for four now? Yeah, we haven't been keeping score, but you've only missed one. So when we get to seven, we should be able right, to do that. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, this piece... You know, sometimes people think of the end of the world and there's the chaos, like we talked about in the Lavos piece, and, and I totally get that too. But this sounds like, I don't know, what's after the end of the world, right? Post-apocalyptic is well, but it's even the phrase. But it's not post-apocalyptic in the way Mad Max is post-apocalyptic. It's it's much quieter than <laughs> right. that. It's much emptier. It's It doesn't look at the, the end of the world and see everybody fighting. It looks to the end of the world and sees everybody giving up or going to sleep even with that hope starving scene, yeah like the, it's not that they don't want to try to persist it's that they can't anymore right we're <laughs> can't believe i'm gonna say this beyond thunderdome <laughs> it, <laughs> it literally this is called ruined world there's the tiniest seed of hope, maybe, and only because Chrono and Pals showed up. This is people waiting to die. And there are those clanking industrial sounds, and, and not industrial like hammer to anvil or someone pounding on machines like in Robos. Like, it sounds like almost pipes blowing in the wind. Right, like... Not not that somebody is doing something, but that the remains of something someone has once done are now bumping into each other. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and what little melody there is, this long, drawn-out string piece, feels like it lasts longer than it should. It never changes quite when you feel like it is. I, I'm not sure I could count out measures in this thing, but it wouldn't surprise me if whatever time signature exists, it's an unusual one because the changes are just oddly timed. Everything about this piece, yeah, it it, it gives me a different vision of, of the end of the world that isn't, you know, <laughs> guys in fancy cars fighting each other. It's a little more serious than that. And while we're in this space to live in it for just a little while longer another piece that to me it is like all of these melancholy moments we've been talking about is titled at the bottom of night which is a great title 
This one has definitely got to be one of your seven. And if it's not, then your list needs to be eight. Correct. Uh, <laughs> this is one of the pieces that made me think about that. I was watching another video of some people talking about Chrono Trigger and this piece came on and it just kind of begin with it gets into me whether it's this original version which can be very simple or there are a couple of rearrangements we want to talk about. The one I'll mention, uh, an album we've mentioned before which is the KFSS Studios Square Dance which is electronic dance music from the Square Enix company, there's a rearrangement of this piece, and I'm forgetting the title of it now, I'm sure you can find it, um, with, with a, a male vocal that I feel gets it, understands, again, I'll use the word, because it's definitely the right one for this song, the melancholy of... I feel like this this is what Yatsunori Mitsuda was feeling... When I, I hear a piece of music like this, I guess I'm not that shocked to hear that the musician who made it was going through something very real when he was making this. As long as we're shouting out rearrangers, Cara Comparetto on YouTube, her last name is spelled C-O-M-P-A-R-E-T-T-O if you want to look her up, she does some fantastic piano arrangements of video game music, cartoon music, and so on. She just did, posted about a week ago as of our recording, at the bottom of night, and it is it is hauntingly beautiful. Right. And then we move into a grouping of music that I like to think of as the kind of end game environmental. We've gotten like an understanding of the entire story here. And we're dealing with the huge themes of this game that begins with our arrival at Zeal Palace. This piece is interestingly atmospheric in its first minute, minute and a half before it gets kind of odd and, and bonkers, which I think mirrors Magus's theme, which starts low and slow and more atmospheric before it gets into its uh, melodic components. Yeah, which is appropriate, being that he's from Zeal. And... Hey, spoilers. <laughs> uh, the other thing it does with those two segments as it begins you with all of these natural sounding instruments it's all you know regular orchestral you, know, you got some strings you got some it even sounds like some hand drums which is even more natural sounding and then when it gets crazy all of a sudden we've got electronic music pure electronic sounds like uematsu did when you went to the moon in final fantasy 4 or inside the giant and we've got something similar here and it works in very much the same way 
as does the music that accompanies you to another palace in this time, the Undersea Palace. It's also a fun juxtaposition, too, because it's easy to forget when you're in zeal that you're actually way back in time because the technology is so much farther advanced. And that, again, is reflected here in the electronic music. And to complete the trinity of late-game dungeons with awesome, atmospheric, and futuristic-sounding music, here's a little excerpt from Black Omen. Another late game piece of atmospheric music that we actually hinted about in the story that I feel like is a very good core again of, of the kind of mysteries of this game is the track Sealed Door, one that was composed by Nobuo Uematsu. And you can kind of tell. also haven't counted that one out, but I think it's in an odd time signature as well. Very pleasant, but moving atmospheric music uh, that gets us pretty much to the end game here. 
So after having gone through all of those creepy dungeons, we of course have our final confrontation with Lavos, which features two pieces of all of a sudden phenomenal battle music that uh, kind of come out of nowhere considering the, the rest of the battle music in the game. But the first one that accompanies when you fight Lavos as his form that we've seen him in throughout most of the game, the kind of giant alien sort of porcupine hedgehog looking thing. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And that piece of music is called World Revolution. This one feels to me more like a Final Fantasy piece. I don't really know how to quantify that. I just know that's what it puts me in mind of. Yeah, I can definitely see that again. It's got those kind of triplety movements. It sounds like battle music out of Final Fantasy V, I think, with, with a couple of little atmospheric exceptions. There are some things, some sounds just kind of in the background there that make you feel like you're at a, well, no place in time or no place in space at trying to hammer that aspect of it home but yeah I, I agree with you melodically it's very triumphant while it's no dancing mad and the way that piece incorporates kefka's theme and kefka's laugh over and over in different ways uh this does a neat thing where it instead incorporates uh some of what we would consider chronos theme here and there and i, I think that's uh, especially interesting the piece of music that plays once you go inside the shell and fight that alien, skinny, weird, fish-faced looking version of Lavos is, for lack of a better phrase, super weird. Oh, and a warning because I want to play this part of it, but it might be a bit discomforting. There's a sound at the beginning of it, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be a scream I'm not sure whose scream it is, but it's certainly a bold way to begin a piece of music. And while this piece doesn't really go into a lot of places, it just has this oscillating, disorienting riff to it. The long string melodies that don't change when you feel like they should, that make you feel like the world 
is coming to an end and it's got these weird key changes which you don't hear a lot of times in these types of music that again never allow you to feel like you're set in any one place there's two pieces of music left to talk about and really just one because it's at the very end of the game and we haven't talked about it much but the piece to far away times that you don't hear until the very end and and the team is kind of going back to their places uh, is a great kind of encapsulation and conclusion to everything that we've heard before it kind of containing a lot of the same elements but putting them in different ways to give a nice little a nice little send off So is is this one of the seven? Because on the one hand, it's kind of hopeful and 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 happy, but at the same time, it's it's uh, I don't, because it's the end of the story and everyone has to go home and they're probably never going to see each other again. Yeah, exactly right. N- nailed it entirely there. And and not only the the end of the story for our characters, the end of you know us being able to play the game having to put it down and, and step away though you can new game plus it uh there there is even that just ending of things as we talked about the inevitability that things end and if we've just gone through the story of this game we we know that we understand that very deeply but there's also the way it plays with echoes it it, it repeats these lines and in, in kind of echo riffs that you know, give you this feeling that also nothing ends. The the old, you know, nothing ever truly ends. Energy is just converted into or whatever. That, that we've also seen that time goes on and on and on, and 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 people and the new live from sixty five million to twenty three hundred A D. You know, and and so I think that it, just at the heart of this piece of music is that. Everything ends, but also everything is endless. Everything is timeless. Everything that has existed in time will always exist in time. And through the lens of a time traveler, nobody ever truly dies. Right? You can, they're always where they are in their time and, and, and place in history. That reminds me of a, a quote from. Peter Capaldi's time as the doctor and I'm going to have to paraphrase so I don't remember it exactly but he says something like everything ends and it's always sad but things begin again and that's always happy yeah And on that note, I, I think that brings us to 
the pinnacle of thematic work in this game, the melody that transcends analysis or even an over-discussion of it, the piece that is the heart of both the plot and themes of the game, Corridors of Time. So to hear you describe it, Drew, this game has about seven or eight main themes, which I'm pretty sure defeats the purpose of the phrase main theme. Right. But, uh, you know, Star Wars doesn't. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I have to ask, is this one of the seven? It is. This is the okay. the final one of the seven. And actually, I, I think this might have been seven and a half. I think we already did seven quarters of time exists oh, in a okay. special place because... I'm never, ever going, ever going to turn it off. If people are playing it on xylophones, if they're playing it on a metal guitar, if it's one person on a cello, if it's an entire orchestra, if it's the original sound version with these weird tubular bells and uh, samples of a sitar, and it's just a perfectly built melody. And the way it concludes with that final build into its resolution is just so endlessly satisfying. And uh, so, no, I, I can listen to any version. On the piano, always good. Um, but so while, yes, it is melancholic and could in many ways uh, put me in a place I don't necessarily want it to put me in, this piece of music, I'm always going to let it take me there. So to wrap up, these are just some of the many reasons why this is a soundtrack that has stood the test of time. I'm not the only one who considers it to be among the very best, not just in video gaming. I, I talked about my critiques with the battle music. If there was one other thing I would critique this soundtrack on, and this is in comparing it to things like Final Fantasy VI or VII or Star Wars is or Lord of the Rings, I don't know that there's one truly epic and complex piece of music like a Dancing Mad or a One-Winged Angel or even the opera or, you know, something like Duel of the Fates. There isn't that one major piece that just stands completely outside of the rest. And maybe a soundtrack doesn't need to have that. This is, in, in many ways, a, a complete idea there there's no you know seven or eight or 13 minute long pieces of music on this and some of that's you know the technology though there's a there's a track on final fantasy 6 that goes 12 minutes it, I, I don't know that it's got that i mean again i'm getting real nitpicky here i still think this soundtrack is on the level of any of those things but if i'm looking at what do they have that this doesn't i think it would be that one truly epic piece of music making that goes beyond just an insanely good melody and becomes a powerhouse piece of masterpiece music making. I don't know. Do you buy that? Or do you want to pick up a, a piece from here that you think does that? I think that is an interesting critique. It's not a critique I would have thought to make. Like you said, not necessarily every soundtrack needs that. Not every 
story needs a piece like that. I think, though, that if you wanted to look for what that piece might be, I think we talked about it first. Uh, if we split this up, then we talked about it first last episode. And I think, you know, it's it's Chrono's piece. It's Chrono's theme. It's the one that you you see the world end and you decide to do something about it. And it only lasts three minutes or something, but it it goes through three distinct movements. So it's got some of that complexity. And it is the piece that plays to tell you, you know, as I've already said, we are going to do something now. We're not going to just, you know, be hungry and die. We are going to fix this somehow, or we're, we're at least going to stand up and say something about it. We're going to make a move. Uh, we're going to take a stand. So for me, if I'm looking for a piece like that, or a piece that uh, attempts to fill that particular trope, that's the one I'm going to go for. I think you're right. And I think in that way it works most like the Star Wars title music that really brings you into the world in a couple of different ways and then can stay with you and, and, and be played throughout. So, yeah, I'm I'm not going to disagree with that. I think in my own mind, again, back to your questions about me ranking things, why would I rank the soundtracks of Final Fantasy VI and VII ahead of Chrono Trigger? And I think that it's not that I want to hold something against Chrono Trigger. It's that those pieces of music like the opera and Dancing Mad or like One Winged Angel separate those soundtracks even further. They're this thing that Chrono Trigger doesn't have. But that's, again, that's so nitpicky. That's... Well, but but it's a, it's an interesting metric to apply to soundtracks of this genre. Uh, and I, and I, I like it as a thing to at least think about. Like, you know, if I'm if I'm uh, analyzing uh, a coming of age hero's journey, I'm going to look at Joseph Campbell and see, you know, which of these classic hero's journey motifs do they hit and which do they not. And that's not necessarily uh, a negative or a positive. It's just it's a thing to look at. And so I like that as a tool as a metric by which to understand these kinds of soundtracks. But really, all of that stuff can be fun for us to talk about, and ranking soundtracks really can be quite a personal exercise. The far more important thing is to recognize a piece of art that quite clearly a person poured all of themselves into, or multiple people. In this case, mostly Yasunori Matsuda, with some help from some others, but... This is an expression of what Joseph Campbell called the transcendental truth. There's nothing systematic about the music that Yasunori Mitsuda made here. It all pours from his very being, and that's why it stands the test of time. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and thank you to everyone who's reached out to us. Feel free to let us know what we missed, got wrong, or should have mentioned. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at FFWeeklyPod, or you can email us at FinalFantasyWeekly at gmail.com. We are also now on Patreon. While the podcast is still free to listen to via archive.org, if you want to download it on your regular podcast services, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. Join us next time 
when we pontificate on what Chrono Trigger tells us about the responsibilities of free will, about the nature of good and evil, and about the value of life and death.